14 and verse number 8, Acts chapter 14, verse number 8, we're reading about Paul and Barnabas. and their ministry in Lystra on their missionary journey. Acts chapter 14, verse number 8. If you have it, say amen. Praise God. There sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And from that passage of Scripture, as well as the rest of chapter 14, I want to speak to you just for a few moments tonight. Is the God you're seeking worth finding? Turn to your neighbor and ask them that question. Is the God that you are seeking worth finding? Amen. Praise God. Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you, and we feel your power and anointing in this house. Amen. Tonight. And we thank you for what you have already done. We pray that your word would be a strength to everybody that has entered into this place tonight. We give to you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. Paul and Barnabas were preaching the good news. And they were going from city to city preaching that good news. They were preaching the gospel. And the gospel is a new birth experience. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You identify in his death by repentance. You identify with his burial by baptism in Jesus' name. You identify in his resurrection by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They were preaching the gospel, the good news. They came to a city called Lystra, and they came upon a crippled man and Paul realize or detected faith and he said to the man that had never walked before he was impotent he said to stand up and he standing up leaped up and began leaping and walking the response was such a surprise to the city of Lystra that they thought the gods had come down to visit the rest of the chapter, they named Paul to be Mercurius or Hermes and Barnabas to be Jupiter or Zeus. And then the priest of the local temple of Jupiter made preparations to worship Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas ripped their clothes in dismay and tried to halt the proceedings and tried to preach they said, men, what are you doing? We are merely human beings like yourselves. We have come to bring you the good news that you are invited to turn from the worship of these foolish things and to pray instead to the 
living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In bygone days, he permitted the nations to go their own ways, but he never left himself without a witness. There were always his reminders, the kind things he did, such as sending you rain and good crops and giving you food and gladness. But despite their attempts to preach, they could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. The first thing that was wrong in this scenario is that the people were chasing after the wrong God. They were looking for the gods of Greek mythology. They were influenced by the world that was around them and the system that the world followed. And at that time, the system was Greek mythology. The world definitely has a system or an influence, and it is in opposition to God's system. I want you to know tonight that you are in an apostolic church, and we walk to the beat of a different drum. We're not here because of Hermes, and we're not here because of Zeus, but we are in fact here because of one who is greater than all the gods that you could put together in mythology, and his name is Jesus. I'm serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm serving the Word that became flesh. I'm seeking after someone that can lift me up from my situation and pull me out of my dysfunction and out of my attitude and mentality that is degradation and destruction. Praise God. But I'm in here in the house of God tonight with the words of Jesus Himself. He whom the Son has set free is free. Indeed, now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you're bound tonight, there is a God that can free you. If you need healing tonight, there is a God that can heal you. If you need redeemed from the hand of whatever it is you've got yourself in, there is a God that can save. Praise God, they were chasing after the wrong God. I want to declare emphatically and with pride and with no shame and no intimidation. I want to pursue the one true living God with everything that I've got in my being. I'm going to worship him with everything I've got. I'm going to live for him with everything I've got. I'm not straddling the fence half in and half out, but I'm giving giving God everything that I've got. You got breath to breathe, you ought to praise him. You got hands to clap, you ought to clap unto him. You got feet to dance, you ought to dance unto him. You got a voice, you ought to shout unto him. He's worth pursuing. Greek mythology is the body of stories belonging to the ancient Greeks concerning their gods and heroes. Greek myths explain the origins of the world and details the lives and adventures of a wide variety of gods, goddesses, heroes, heroines, and other mythological creatures. The Greeks and the myths were known primarily from Greek literature. The oldest known literary sources in the 7th and 8th century were the epic poems, the Iliad and the Odyssey, focusing on the events surrounding the Trojan War. Zeus 
was the king of the gods, the ruler of Mount Olympus, the god of the sky and thunder, and his symbols were the thunderbolt, the eagle, the bull, and the oak. Hermes was a translator, a messenger from the gods to humans. He was an interpreter who bridged the boundaries with strangers. He gives to us our word hermeneutics for the art of interpreting hidden things. He was one that was a traveler who crosses from one level of experience to another. He was the the literature and poets. He was of athletics, of weights and measures, of invention, of commerce in general, and of cunning of thieves and liars. Hermes was an inventor of fire, and he was believed to have invented many types of racing and the sport of boxing. Therefore, he was the the patron of the athletes, the patron of the athletes. According to prominent folklorists, Melantinsky, Hermes was a deified trickster. He was a modern trickster of gods, even of other cultures. These people were chasing, not, not, not because of, of their purpose, but just because they were never introduced to anything better. And so they were pursuing after these foolish things. They were devoted to gods that could deceive them and trick them. That was part of their personification. I just want to stop right here and say this emphatically. God will never deceive you or trick you or manipulate you into something. He extends an invitation to you of Calvary and the power of Calvary, not to do some kind of bait and switch. Praise God. But when you get who he is, you get all that he is, and he's not manipulating, coercing you, deceiving you. Praise God. He's providing to you what you're looking for, and he doesn't pull the rug out from underneath your feet, but he gives you a foundation, and he gives you a strength, and he gives you something to stand upon. The gods that they were chasing were superficial. And our world seems to value those kinds of gods. The rich young ruler chased after the superficial god of money. King Agrippa, when presented with truth, chased after the superficial god of power. Countless addicts chase after the god of the superficial the God of the high, the trip, the buzz, and the challenge. But I want to declare to you tonight that those gods are anemic and they're lacking. If you really, really want a supernatural high, just get close to the King of kings and Lord of lords and know and understand what the empowerment of the Holy Ghost is. Because when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I don't need some acid tripping thing carrying me out somewhere on a heroin ride. I don't need some coke thing that ends up addicting me, but I do need the power of the Holy Ghost in my life that elevates me, strengthens me, gives me the ability to work in the kingdom of God. That's the supernatural high that I'm looking for. It builds up, it doesn't tear down. It encourages, it doesn't destroy. It doesn't steal, rob, and destroy, but it provides strength. 
The search for a God cannot be found in the foolish things of idolatry. The Old Testament understood this. The worship of something in the Old Testament that was created was opposed to the worship of the creator himself. There were many references in the Old Testament regarding this. This shows that idolatry probably was the greatest temptation our spiritual forefathers faced. While we find bowing down to a statue no temptation, they apparently slipped in this idolatry over and over. And it was primarily because the God of the Old Testament was not seen. He was a spirit. And the nations around them worshipped these figurines. And they propped them up and they established them. They created groves. They made temples to them. They brought in temple prostitutes. It was all connected to agriculture. And so you, you paid obeisance to these idols. The children of Israel were not supposed to follow an, an idol. And so idolatry was constantly their temptation. So serious was this sin that there was a prohibition. Uh, prohibition against making and worshiping images and it was included in the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4, you shall not make any idols, no images of animals, birds, or fish. You must never bow or worship it in any way for I, the Lord your God, am very possessive. I will not share your affection with any other God. In the New Testament, the New Testament period turned the physical representation of an idol and started using it as a concept. And the concept was you may not be actually bowing down before a statue, but if there are things that replace God in your life or in the mind of a worshiper of God, then that can become idolatry. This is why Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We must understand here tonight the vicious nature of idolatry. While I may not make or bow down to a statue, I have to be constantly on guard that I don't let anything come between me and God because God ultimately should take the first priority in my life, not something else. I'm coming to church every time the church doors are open. Why? Because I'm placing a priority on serving God and nothing is going to come between me and God. I pay my tithes and offering. Why? Because my first priority priority is to understand that everything comes from God and that is the first priority. I pray every single day. Why? Because I don't want the temptation of something coming in and stealing away my first priority which is in my worship to God. Everything that I do, I want to make sure that God is in the midst of it. The way I dress, the way I talk, the way I interact with other people, 
the way I live my entire life, the way I live in the community, everything that I do, I want it to be centered upon the one that saved me. I want it to be centered on the one that was resurrected, that is alive and well. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, you're in the house of God tonight because God pulled you. God drew you from wherever you were, and you've got a testimony. You can't let anything come between you and God. Jesus said you can't let family come between you and God. You can't let friends come between you and God. You can't let the world come between you and God because you and God matter. When you make something so important that it steals your time with God, you become like the people of old that wandered into the realm of idolatry, and it is a dangerous and deceitful sin because it is deceptive. Because when you seek it and you finally catch it, it leaves you empty. Man, I want to say this emphatically. Pursuing after money and thinking somehow that you're going to be happy when you get a lot of it, that doesn't make you happy. There's a deception to that. If that were the case, then very successful people would be happy. Pursuing after vanity, thinking somehow, if you can grasp that, it's very deceptive. At some point, you're still going to try to pursue vanity, and everybody else is going to know you're far from where you want to be, and everything that you're doing is a deception and a manipulation. How about being who God called you to be? How about being satisfied with what you have and content with what you have? That's where you're going to find happiness and the welfare of humanity because these other things are fleeting and they're deceptive. And when you think you finally catch it and you've arrived, then you realize you've been playing the devil's game and he laughs at you and he mocks you. And some of you are in this place because you end up in jail, prison, dysfunction, bondage, addiction, and a whole host of a lot of other things, crazy relationships. But thank God there was a God that said, I want to introduce you to something that is better. I want you to experience my mercy. I want you to experience my love and my grace that can build you up and establish you and give you what true joy is and true contentment is. I've been to Peru. I've been in churches where you can see through the slats and you can see people looking at you through the slats. And the cats are wandering back and forth. The church that we went to in Peru was below the, the river floodplain. So at certain times in the years, the river would flow through the church. Those people would make their way to the church. I stepped across a ditch. I thought it was a ditch of running water to step down into the church. It wasn't, a, it wasn't just running water. It was the sewage going by. I was in amazement as I stepped into the sanctuary and 
a a small little sanctuary, if you want to call it that, a lean-to that you can look through. It's crazy. If it rained, we would have gotten completely drenched and wet. But those people that came into that building came in with the attitude, I may not have a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot in my hands of monetary, material things. But the one thing that I do have is a walk with God that is greater than anything else. It put me on my face. We're in a building. It's a little hot here tonight because one of the ACs are out, but they didn't have any air conditioner, didn't have much light at all, but they came prepared to worship God with everything that was in them. They were content. They were happy. I came home and I said, I'm never going into a church folding my arms, not worshiping God when I've got so much. God has blessed me with so much. How dare you sit on a church pew and you can't raise your hands. You can't clap your hands. You can't worship God when God has been so good to you. I've got to make sure that I'm going to give you everything. I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to praise him to the amount that he's blessed you. If he's blessed you, you ought to let the world and everybody else know, I'm blessed of God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You drove a car here. You got clothes on your back. You're not hungry. And why shouldn't we praise God with everything that we've got? Come on, somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord for a moment right here. Hallelujah. You can be seated when you make something so important that it steals your time with God. You become like the ancients that worship idolatry. Is the God you're seeking worth finding? Houses, lands, cars, people, popular heroes, fame, reputation, hobbies, pride, and even deeds done in the name of the Lord. Is the God you're seeking worth finding? Hmm. Colossians said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then chapter 6 and verse 19 of Matthew, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth consume and where thieves do not break in through nor steal for where thy treasure is there your heart will be also be on guard what of what dominates your time be on guard of what dominates your time i'll just interject this this morning i was preaching about a book that i'm reading talking about the coddling of a generation trying to do helpful things that actually are harming them and one of the key elements in in a new generation is the amount of social media that is consumed. And the book notes primarily it's more difficult for girls than it is boys. Because the images that girls see on social media, there's such a 
a fixation on presenting something that's not reality, it's an illusion, that becomes very much an emotional disturbance to people that are consuming too much. And I thought this was fascinating because it said from studies that have been presented, the amount of time social media ends up taking an adverse negative reaction is about two hours a day. Two hours a day. More than two hours a day, more problems, more dissonance, more anxiety, more depression. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're saying, two hours, that seems like a lot. You better examine how much time you're spending on your phone every single day. It'll give you a report. Your, your time spent was up a certain amount. Praise God. Anything... Anything, anything that dominates your time. Be on guard what dominates your time. We know the parable of the talents. There was some talents given to three men. One was given five. One was given two. Another was given one. The one that was given one buried it and said, I knew that you were, I knew that you were a a difficult individual, and I knew that you reap where you sow not and you gather where you haven't strawed, and so I, I buried the talent, and Jesus had harsh words because the ultimate situation there was that the servant didn't want the master to even earn anything on the money. His motives were was selfishness, and Jesus said, take from him his talent and give it to someone else. I don't that want to be I don't want that to be my story. Take from him the talent that I gave him because he's not doing anything with it and give it to somebody else. You better guard what God gives you. Praise God. Praise God. It should come out in your action. God, thank you. If you give me five, I'm thankful for five. I'm going to use every bit of the talent that I can of the five. If I'm not talented as enough as five, then if you give me two, I'll, I'll accept the two. If you only give me one, praise God. It's something that comes from you, and I value that. It's an investment into me. I'm not walking away from it, leaving it somewhere, forgetting about it, neglecting it. But, God, I want to put it to good use in the kingdom of God. I don't want it taken from me. Praise God. I want to keep it. I want it to earn some interest. I want to put my hand to the plow and use it for God's glory. Praise God. You better be careful that you neglect what God has done for you. Praise God. God will take what he gave you and give it to somebody else. I appreciate the fact that I'm here. I appreciate the fact that I have a seat here. I appreciate I have a, a place at the table here. I don't want that taken away from me. I value this place. It seems to me that the gods of this world, when caught or when sought, enjoy revealing their true nature to those deceived. They gloat, and it becomes buyer's remorse. I would have never started down this trajectory if I had only known.
Praise God. We better have church like we're having church. If people come in here and think we're crazy and nuts, let them think we're crazy or nuts. I'd rather us having be having a good time in this place than a young person say, you know, I'm not going to go church tonight. I'll go party somewhere else. And in one moment's time, experiencing and, and sampling some of the things that happens in some of those parties to end up addicted to something that looked like fun, but on the end of it is nothing but destruction. We better have high church in this place place where people can receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We baptized somebody this morning in Jesus' name. The altars were full of people. Every time we come to the house of God, this should be what happens. Praise God. It should be the norm. It should be the norm. Not out of place, but the norm. You know why? This is a Holy Ghost party. I'm coming to the house of God for a celebration of what God does, and he does miraculous things. Praise God, the God worth catching. Paul and Barnabas deflected the praise to God. It's not about us. You're worshiping Zeus and Hermes. It's not about Hermes, and it's not about Zeus. It's about God. We're not gods. Don't worship us. We're not gods. Don't sacrifice to us. We're trying to point you to the God of gods, and his name is Jesus. This was the same Paul that stood in Mars Hill, and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, for I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom you therefore worship, him I declare unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things and then he said that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from each and every one of us Paul said you need to seek him and when you seek him you'll find him because he's not far from you praise God all you have to do is lift your hands and say Jesus I'm seeking you I guarantee you you'll find him because he dwells and inhabits the praises of his people. He cannot but get into the midst of somebody that says Lord I'm seeking you. I want to find you. When you seek him you can find him. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree and found Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood fought her way through a crowd and found Jesus. This lame man in the beginning that had enough faith found Jesus to find him you've got to seek him the psalmist said as the heart panteth after the water brooks so panteth my soul after thee O God my soul thirsteth for God for the living God if you're going to find him you've got to seek him I'm talking to you tonight about is God you're seeking worth finding I want you to know that when I sought him I found him 
him. And when I found him, it was worth every single thing that I sacrificed and laid down. It was a treasure hidden in a field. It was a pearl of great price. I found something of value. As the musicians come tonight, if you're bound, start seeking after Jesus. When you seek him, you will find the God of deliverance. He took the shackles off my feet. If you're a prisoner, start seeking after Jesus. When you seek him, you will find the God of freedom and liberty. Once like a bird in prison, I dwelt no freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and rescued me. Glory to God. He set me free. I found him. If you're weary, start seeking after Jesus. When you seek him, you will find the God of strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God knows how to bring strength to you. If you're seeking him, you can find him. If you're suffering, start seeking after Jesus because when you seek him, you will find the God that brings healing. And his word says, by his stripes, we are healed. Anyone need healing in the house of God tonight? Praise God. When you start seeking him, you're going to find him. And when you find him, there's going to be healing and virtue that flows to you. If you're sad and depressed, Start seeking after Jesus because when you seek him, you will find the God of joy. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're troubled, start seeking after Jesus. When you seek him, you will find the God of peace because he brings to us a peace that passes all Praise God. Brothers and sisters here tonight, he is the God worth finding. Oh, come on. There's a lot of people searching for gods, but when they finally find what they're searching for, they're disappointed. They realize they've been sold a bill of goods. Praise God. But the God that you're seeking, when you find him, ha, he brings to you salvation, strength, redemption, encouragement, peace, joy, long-suffering, peace, mercy. As we stand together, it becomes our responsibility to seek after God. Seek after God. Seek after God. If happily you might find him, though he's not far from each and every one of you. Praise God. But here's what I find interesting about Scripture. When Adam and Eve had their problem and they're very, very embarrassed about what they have done, there's a God that is seeking after them, even in their failure. I read the parable of the prodigal and he starts heading home I read about the father that starts running down the way 
And it brings me to this conclusion. I find it interesting that God is not running away from us as if you can't catch me. But God is pursuing us, if not more, than we are pursuing him. Don't make excuses why you're not saved. You're only lost because you're not pursuing God. Even though God is pursuing you, you're running away from God. Because God is about pursuing you just as much, if not more, than you are about pursuing him. I'm telling you tonight emphatically that the God that you are seeking is worth finding. And you can find him. You can find him if you seek him. I wonder tonight, are there any seekers in the house of God in this place? You're looking for something and you're looking for a God that can respond to you. I want to testify along with everybody that steps out of the chair that they're sitting in tonight. I want to link up and join up with them and tell you that when you seek him and you find him, he's a God that is worth everything that you could put out on the line, every sacrifice Everything that God asked you to lay down, it's worth it. Praise God. Amen. Brother Michael, step up to the front. Brother Michael, seeking God for healing. And God is a God that can be found tonight. We want to pray for him. Ministry, if you would. Praise God. What are you seeking in the house of God tonight? If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, there's a God that can come running to you. He wants to give you the Holy Ghost more than you want the Holy Ghost. He wants to respond to you more than you even wanted yourself. Praise God. They that seek the Lord can find him because he's not far from each and every one of us. Praise God. Come on, step out of where you are. What do you need in the house of God tonight? What are you seeking? You're not seeking a God that is going to turn away from you. There is a God that is going to respond to you. something in the house of God there's ministry here they want to pray with you praise God hallelujah 
If you need something, you need prayer, there's an area right here in the front that is available. You step into this area, they will pray with you tonight. Amen. Sister Rena, right? Sister Shelby, right? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. We're seeking you, Lord. We're asking for your healing, your ability, your anointing.